Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Well, this morning, we have a very, very special morning. This is a Missions Focus Weekend. Um, And one of the things that we like to do on Missions Focus Weekends is invite uh, missionaries uh, that we partner with, people who are doing just incredible work for the kingdom that we partner with to come and to share what God is doing in their ministry. And so uh, any given time, we could have one of our missionaries from overseas or from here somewhere in the States. This morning, we have someone who did not drive that far uh, because Kevin lives not but a couple miles from here, but Kevin uh, Veening and his family and their team from Zero Gravity Upward Bound Ministries is here this morning to share what God is doing in their ministry, to share how God is moving. And um, I'm just excited for him to share because it's been quite an incredible year of seeing God's favor and God's blessing and God's leading in their lives, especially as um, our world has been in a bit of crazy. So um, before Kevin comes up here, I I just reminded of this passage as we were singing um, Majesty this morning. Um, Everything we do Everything we do, we can operate out of our own efforts and our flesh, or we can operate out of the Spirit. Uh, That doesn't mean that you don't prep for stuff. That doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that every time we gather to sing, to teach, we gather to go, like, to work tomorrow for for, for us all. As we do that, we, we have to go knowing that God is with us. And we have to go with the, with the dependence and the trust and the faith that God will give us what we need to bring him honor and glory. And so before uh, Kevin comes up here, I just, I just want to read this verse to you. It's, it's a verse that my wife often shares with me as I get ready to come up here and teach. And it says this, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. The Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, maybe not half, maybe just a little under half, he says, I didn't come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, I came to you, Corinthians, I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. As Kevin comes up here and teaches, that's my prayer for him. And friends, as we listen, that's my prayer for us. We would not listen with human wisdom. We would listen with God's power and God's truth in our life. Amen? All right. Kevin, thanks so much for being here. Can we welcome him? Well, good morning. I was going to start out this morning with a joke, but uh, apparently Mark has already opened up for us this morning by calling me pastor. So I guess I'm just going to follow in the footsteps of my Rabbi Walters, I guess, okay? (laughs) Uh, That's great. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, I appreciate the very kind words. To be honest with you, I was most nervous about the introduction. Uh, and it's because last time I was up here, uh, church had to shut down for about 12 weeks. So I wasn't even sure if they were going to call me back ever to come. So it's good to be here again. Um, 
Great opportunity. This morning, I want to do just accomplish a couple of things. I want to declare uh, God's existence. I want to share of his wonderful works. And then I want to challenge you through his word. And before I do that, before we're, I'm going to go back in history and kind of share a little bit about what Upward Bound is and how we got started and where we are today. And then we're going to take a look at his word. And so at some point this morning while I'm talking, if you want to take a look at Exodus chapter 17, if you want to turn there, that way when we get to that point, hopefully I don't have us turn to the wrong book and chapter. So it's Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. So I got that out of the way. Let me do a little introduction of, of who I am and who our team is. Uh, my name is Kevin Vini, and I'm the executive director of Upward Bound Ministries. Uh, we've got Chad Crocker that's right up here in kind of the front row over here. He does uh, uh, the zero gravity. He's kind of our missionary to zero gravity. Tom Kramer, which many of you probably know who he is. He's also with zero gravity. He's kind of Chad's right-hand man. And then we have Eric Lommer, who is our middle school uh, missionary, which is called, the program is called One Way Ministries. And I'll kind of share a little bit about, about what those all are. But I thought the best way this morning for me to explain and to share with you what Upward Bound Ministries is, what Zero Gravity, what One Way is, is I really got to go back. I got to kind of go back to the beginning. And that really starts with me and my testimony and how God uh, called me and redeemed me and so before we do, I'd just like to open with prayer, and then I'll get started. Lord, I love you. And my love pales in comparison for your love for me and for each and every one of us. I thank you for the opportunity this morning that I get to come up here and share about a, a ministry that I, that I love and I'm passionate about and, and your word, which I'm passionate about, and I love sharing that and just pray that this morning that it'd be your words, that we're uh, sharing of your goodness, of, of the highlights of the God moments in ministry and, and uh, as we go into Sunday school and we share more in detail and, and later on this week as we have more opportunities to share about what you're up to and what you're doing through us. Father, I just pray that this morning that we'd be able to stay focused, stay on task and, and be able to declare your goodness. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So my story starts back in uh, 1996. I'll say somewhere in January, some, roughly right around there. I get a phone call, and it's from a family member, and they're inviting me to come to an event called Promise Keepers. And the words barely got out of their mouth, and I chuckled, and I said, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, you can use that ticket for somebody else. I'm not interested. And so over the next couple of weeks, God really, uh, looking back, I could use the terminology, God was working on me. He was revealing some things to me. At the time, that's probably not what I was thinking, uh, just kind of processing a few little things. And, and I called that loved one back up or the family member, and I said, hey, if that invitation uh, is still open, I'd love to join you guys. So in April of 1996, we hopped on a bus and we headed over to the Pontiac Silverdome and we joined about 72,000 other men who were there. Um, <clears throat> and so it started like on a Saturday morning. I think we got there Friday night, Saturday morning. I'm walking into the Silver Dome and I'm just in awe of the place, right? I'm like, never been here before. Uh, I'm just kind of checking it out, just kind of sports nut. I like the Lions. I love Barry Sanders, uh, Herman Moore, Brett Perryman, Scott uh, Mitchell. You know, that offense was was awesome at that time. The Lions actually were relevant at that time. And so it was kind of cool to be there. And that was my focus the entire day Saturday as I was just like, dude, I am standing on the 20-yard line and Barry Sanders was running here like just last week. Like this is crazy. This is insane. 
And so it was, my mind and my focus wasn't on what was being shared. In fact, uh, I put my head on the pillow that Saturday uh, night, and I really thought to myself, those guys were weird. There's just something insane. 72,000 men singing worship songs. They're listening to some coaches and some professional athletes kind of shout at us, yell at us, encourage us, share scripture. And I thought, man, they're just, they're a little weird. That just didn't seem right to me. I was so wake up Sunday morning, end up in the nosebleed seats way up in the top. And I remember panning over uh, all the men as they were singing and they were singing the song, uh, The Wonderful Cross. And the And they were singing, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, I literally asked myself, what do these guys have that I don't? They have something that I don't have. And so we got done singing, and some guys got up, they did some messages, and they actually did an altar call. And I literally looked over at my group, and I was like, all right, you guys ready to roll? And so we... Ended up hopping back in the bus and and never made a decision at that point. But I did tell God, I know that those guys have something that I don't have. And I need to go on a journey to figure out what it is. And I spent the next probably 10 weeks. From the time that I'd wake up, I'd spend 15 minutes reading two or three, four different chapters in the Bible. And then I would, at night before I'd go to bed, I'd spend an hour, hour and a half, just devouring God's word. And about 10 weeks later, I got somewhere in the middle of the book of John, and it dawned on me. I needed to surrender my life to Jesus fully and finally, and that's what I did. Uh, 1997, about, about a year later, April 97, I got married to my wife, Jennifer. We dated for like five years before that, all the way through high school. And, and so uh, 1998, we had our first daughter, Kayla, and... Uh, just really enjoying life. I uh, got to about the year 2000. We had our son, Keegan, and I really felt a leading by God as a call into ministry. Uh, we, 1998, June of 1998, Jen and I, we walked to the doors here at First Baptist, came in through those doors for the very first time, sat somewhere in the back over there. We looked at each other when we left, and we said, I think this is home. I think this is where we belong, and we haven't left since. We've been here pretty much since 1998. Raised our family, been a part of this church, and so it's been a, it's a huge blessing to uh, be able to be here in front of what I call my home church. Um, and then in 2002, I got a phone call uh, from a missionary that First Baptist still has. Uh, his name's Dale Stewart, and he calls me up and he says, hey, Kevin, I want you to come out to camp and I want you to speak. He said, I hear God's doing some great things in your life. I hear you got a call into ministry. I want you to come out to Montana Clark County Bible Camp, and I want you to, to share some messages. He said, you got about 10 of them. Two every day, one in the morning, one at night, Monday through Friday, um, and we'd love to have you come out. I said, absolutely. Could pause there. There could be a big God story. I could spend 20 minutes on how God provided for us, for me to fly my family out to Montana that summer. But the story is, is that I get out to Montana. I remember being up on the, up on the balcony, and, and there's a room up there with a bunch of carpet ball tables, and we're playing carpet ball, and I look out the back. You can see the mountains. It's a beautiful view, and I, and I look down, and there's a young gentleman, and he's kind of bent over on a, on a bus. Uh, he's, he's in the hood, and he's working on that bus, and I'm like, man, who's, who's that guy? You know, and I remember Dale coming up to me, and he's like, hey, talking about camp, talking about the week, and he's like, hey, that guy down there, his name's Chad. You know, he's, he's here for the week, and he's, him and his grandpa, they're just going to do some maintenance stuff around here. And I'm like, 
oh, that's cool. And then throughout the week, I got to meet this guy named Chad. I found out that he lives in Zealand. He's a few years younger than me. Um, And I'm like, man, never knew who the guy was before. His name's Chad Crocker. And first time I got to meet him was all the way out in Montana. It's interesting. We live in the same town, never ran across each other. Uh, In the spring of 2007, I got approached by an individual who had been working for an organization called Youth for Christ, uh, and they had been seeing their middle school students had been introduced to things of this world, sex, drugs, alcohol, all those things, and they thought, man, we, we ought to start a ministry more at the elementary level. What's, what would that look like? And so he came to me, and he pitched the idea, and he said, would you and Jen be interested in being supporters of the ministry? And we said, absolutely. So in the spring of, of 2007, we committed, saying, hey, when, when you get the ministry up and running, we'd love to be a part of it. And then in August of 2008, uh, that the IRS, I'm sorry, August of 2007, the IRS recognized a, a ministry called Zero Gravity as a 501c3 nonprofit, and that's where the ministry began to get its legs and start moving forward. Uh, it wasn't too long after that, but roughly about the same time, uh, I'm at work, I was an electrician, and I did something to my back, and now I gotta have a back surgery, and I spend literally three months at home, first six weeks waiting for a back surgery, the next six weeks recovering from the back surgery and waiting to get back from work, and God's just really working in my, in my life, and what's uh, calling me into ministry, and what should we do, and what does that look like? And then uh, about nine months later, uh, about March of 2008, uh, I get a phone call. I get a phone call from, from my mom, and she says, hey, I know you're kind of struggling with, with work. I actually had my second back surgery at that time, sorry. And she's like, I know you're kind of struggling with it. You might be looking for something new. There's this company I know of. I know the owner of it, and uh, he's looking for somebody with kind of your expertise, and, and uh, you might want to give him a call. I'm like, sure, that sounds good. So I give the guy a call, set up an interview. I go to the, to the business, meet the owner, meet a couple of the guys in the office, and he says to me, hey, there's a guy in the back that, we got, that we'd like you to meet. You're going to be kind of working with him every day, and we'd kind of like to have his approval before we'd even consider hiring you. And so walk into the back, lo and behold, who's in the back? Chad Crocker, guy I met for the first time in Montana six years earlier than that. Now, Chad, I'd, I'd known Chad a little bit between 2002 and 2008. Uh, he started dating a girl, Amber Van Dort, which... Scott and Mary's daughter, so Chad would be here from time to time, and we'd continue to build our friendship and our relationship, but we really didn't hang out. We didn't really know each other too well, but they ended up offering me that, that job. I started working with Chad every day, and about uh, a couple months later, the same individual, the same gentleman who came to me to ask me to support the ministry of Zero Gravity called me and said, hey, just want to let you know um, we're going to close down the ministry. The ministry is going to shut down. Finances are gone, and, and uh, the seed money that was part of it's all gone, and and so we're gonna. I'm I'm getting called. I'm actually feel called out of ministry, and I'm, and I said to him, well, what's gonna happen? Well, the ministry's just probably gonna shut down, and, and we're just gonna move on. And I said, hmm, I don't know if I like that. I said, I've been a supporter of it. Any chance that you'd be you'd consider me just taking a shot at it, taking a taking a run at it? Um, and he says, that's fine with me, but you got to call the board, talk with them. So I called the president of the board, started right there. His name was Dean, and I called Dean. I said, hey, Dean, I said, what's your thoughts? Told him who I was, kind of what I was thinking. He said, Kevin, I love the ministry. I'm all about it. He said, you got my support. I'll stay on as the president of the board. We'll help you out. 
So I called the next, <clears throat> the next board member, and all the way down to the line, I got the same response. I think it's time for me to transition out of, out of leadership in, in the ministry, and, and I think this is a perfect time for me to do it. And so I said to Chad, I said, what's your thoughts? You want to see once, if we can take this, this ministry and run with it? Chad said, let's do it. Let's, let's go take a look at a club meeting. We went to the very last club meeting uh, where we stood in the back. We watched like 40 kids come running up the stairs. They uh, grab a snack, and they're just dropping water and their snack all over the floor. And we're like, dude, this is chaos. This is crazy. And the guy calls the kids over, and he does a little devotion with them. And I remember it was, it was uh, marching to the beat of, of your own drum. And he talked about the world's going to call you and tell you to do this and to live this way. But God calls us to live different. We should be marching to the beat of a different drum. Sticks in my mind. I'll never forget it. And all of a sudden, it was the last week, you know, the last club that they were going to have, ever have, and it was uh, talent show week. And so all of a sudden, one kid gets up, and they start, like, doing the splits or doing some crazy stuff, and we're like, dude, that's weird, you know? And all of a sudden, we got another girl who gets up, and she sings, and we're like, that, that was an amazing, that was a beautiful voice. Some kid gets up, does some gymna- gymnastics, he's doing backflips, and we're like, I don't know what just happened here, but this was pretty cool. And that's really the beginning of where Chad and I... Uh, started working with a ministry called Zero Gravity. We said, let's do it. And literally, we spent that entire summer of 2008 where God built a board for us. He brought in new people to become board members. In fact, there's a lady, her name is Marge DeYoung. She just stepped off of our board for 13 years. We said that we have a three-year term limit, and then you can opt to do another one. Her three-year term just got done but it had a 10-year term on the front of it. She couldn't leave. She loved the ministry so much. She said, I got to be a part of it. There's individuals that, um, uh, we got like a Tim Yonker who owns Myron Insurance who came on uh, and really helped us get our feet moving and going in the right direction. And Patricia Cray, who's a teacher at Woodbridge, who we still, I think Chad did a bunch of volunteering already this year in her classroom. And so there's just these relationships that we have built over the years where we've seen God Pour out his blessing upon us. Well, uh, the next God moment that we really had um, was in June of 2011. The organization known as Youth for Christ uh, in Ottawa and Allegan County got enfolded into Kent County, and there was a gentleman who had been working in the middle schools here in Zealand, and his name was Chuck Vanderswag. And he approached me, who I'd built a relationship with him years earlier when I was a youth pastor up in Grand Haven, did some joint events. And he came to me and said, can I meet with you guys? I, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about the ministry and if we can maybe do some partnering together. So Chad and I, we went and met with Chuck, and he said, here's the deal. Youth for Christ kind of folded in Grand Rapids. Now uh, I had to reapply for my job, and I didn't get it, and I'd love to continue to do what I'm doing in Zeon in the middle schools, but I, is it possible that I could do it under your 501c3? And so that's where the... Uh, we, we actually took that concept to our board. Our board said, we love it. It's a no-brainer. We've got the elementary side through zero gravity, third through fifth. We could have the middle school side, sixth through eighth. Seemed like it worked well, fit well. They voted to approve it, and that's where the, the ministry, as known as one-way ministry, got its birth. Uh, we essentially, at that time, in 2008, had two ministries running parallel with each other, governed by one board called zero gravity, and then... Uh, uh, one-way ministries and Charlie was in charge of one-way and Chad and I were running zero gravity and they were working really really well and so 
the next God moment that we really got to was in uh, 2016, where our treasurer actually came to us and said, hey, guys, this, this is very complicated on the business side. Um, you guys share an office space with zero gravity, with one way. I'm writing two checks for that. You guys share a liability policy. I'm writing two checks for that. We've got all these expenditures that I got to write two checks, and we got different percentages on this one, different percentages on that one, and it's a little confusing. Is there a way that we can just kind of make this a little easier? So our board really went to work, and they said, well, I'll tell you what, the easiest way to do it is if we renamed the 501c3 from zero gravity to upward bound, nobody will know it. We won't even tell anybody. It'll be our little secret, okay? And so that's what we did. We changed the name to Upward Bound, and then we had still two ministries running parallel while there was some things that we never thought of. Um, when Charlie said in September of 2019 that he was ready to retire and that uh, we went, hey, what does that look like for the ministry then? How does, how does that look? And so we sat down and we said, well, let's restructure the two ministries so that they look more like one that we are. So we said, we've already got the 501c3 named as Upward Bound. Let's just keep it that. Let's call that the umbrella ministry. And then we'll have DBAs doing business as, which is the zero gravity, the third through fifth. And then we have the uh, one-way ministries, which is six through eight. And then Charlie had a guy that he really liked. His name is Eric Lommer. He's not here this morning. We share Eric with Grace Chapel. He's 25 hours a week with us at the middle school, and he's 25 hours a week at Grace Chapel doing their middle school and high school youth stuff. So today is his day where he's, he's got to be at church working with his youth, so he couldn't be here. But uh, we hired Eric. He took over for Eric or for Charlie, who retired in September of 2020, and we started to rebrand or we started to tell everybody that, hey, we've got Upward Bound, which has a DBA, Zero Gravity, which ministers through third through fifth, and then we have one-way ministries that ministers through 6th, 7th, and 8th, which opens the door for more DBAs, which if we ever wanted to get to high school, family ministry, whatever we wanted to, to grow into or whatever God provides, we, we then had the opportunity to do that. So a lot of people say to us, well, what, where's, what's upward bound? What's the difference between upward bound, zero gravity, one-way? Hopefully I did my best to explain the transition from zero gravity to one-way and so the, uh, the transition there. Well, I'd love to do a little bit of a ministry update with you guys to share kind of what God has been up to because as we know, since March of 2019, it's been a little chaotic. It's been a little crazy. Um, we got the phone call uh, last March saying, hey, look, guys, school's being shut down, and which means that our ministry avenue was kind of shut down. And so we needed to start coming up with plan B's and, and what does that look like. And, and every year we do uh, a fishing trip in the summer. We take kids who don't have uh, dads typically. They're, they're, they're students who their dads are just not involved in their life. They probably have n never met their dad um, and they live with just mom. And so then we take them out on, on the big lake. We have somebody that sponsors a fishing trip and we get to go out uh, on Lake Michigan and, and do some salmon fishing. And so we, we had that scheduled, and that opened up literally three or four days before our scheduled trip was, so we had the green light to go on and do that. And so we're out on the big lake, and we're fishing, and, and we always say to the kids, how big of a fish do you think we're going to catch? They go, mm, maybe this big. And we go, mm, we'll see once. I don't know, maybe that's a little bit bigger than, than what we might catch. We've got many kids who will say to us, they'll get out on the lake, and they go, where'd this come from? 
They literally live 15 miles from Lake Michigan and never even know that the big lake is that close. And so we get out on the lake and we're fishing. We're having a good time. And the captain says to us, he says, hey, before you guys go, um, I got to talk to you guys. We're like, all right. And so kids take off. They leave. We talk with the captain of the boat. And he says, hey, I'm connected with an organization. Uh, <clears throat> it's called the Safari Club International of West Michigan, or it's actually of Michigan, the chapter. And they do a ton of fishing trips with us. And they usually do like special needs kids and, and different uh, students that they, that they minister to as well. And they booked a whole bunch of trips with us this summer. But because schools closed down and, and they've got too much at risk, they can't use them. Could you get more students here? Could you guys use more trips? Be free, cost, won't cost you anything. And Chad and I looked at each other and went, yep, we'll get the kids. Don't you worry, we'll get the kids. So we did five, maybe six trips out at Lake Michigan last summer. In the midst of COVID, we took out kids of a wide variety. It definitely started with students who didn't, who didn't have uh, dads involved in their lives. And, and it moved to, all right, we had some girls who maybe had never been out on the, out on the big lake. And we took a, a, a few girls out there and we took different kids of different, different avenues. We just picked and chose different kids for different reasons who maybe had different things going on in their life that they could absolutely use a little time away and get out on the lake. And so that was, that was our first thing that we started seeing in June and July where God was already providing. Um, we really thought this year that when we started our programs that we would really see numbers dwindle. Um, we minister at the zero gravity side. We had been previously ministering to seven out of the eight uh, elementary schools in Zealand, which includes Roosevelt, ZQuest, Lincoln, Woodbridge, Adams, <clears throat> um, New Groningen, and then at the time we also had in Academy, we were doing some morning Bible studies with them, and we knew that in Academy was not going to invite us back because they weren't having outside groups, and we thought, man, we're going to have some smaller numbers. Our ministry season really starts off in September with See You at the Pole at the middle school level, and so we started calling school and saying, hey, what's your thoughts on, can we come to, you know, the school and do See You at the Pole? And they said, absolutely, we'd love to have you. You know, you're outside, try and keep the mask on with the kids, just try and follow policy with school. And we had uh, a large amount of students that showed up at Cityside for the middle school. And we had somebody posted at Creekside. There were a couple of kids. We had somebody at each of the high schools where uh, the numbers were definitely lighter. But we had a few people that showed up yet to pray. And we thought, man, God's really at work. And so we said uh, to school, we said we do our morning Bible study the, the Wednesday after uh, see you at the poll for the middle schoolers. Any chance, and before I could even get it out of my mouth, they are like, Kevin. We'd love to have you, but you know no, nobody from the outside can come in. And so we said, man, that's going to that's gonna hurt our middle school Bible study. And we started to brainstorm, and we started to say, okay, what, what can we do? How can we uh, find a place or a spot to hold a morning Bible study? And so I'm talking with Eric, our middle school guy, and I said to him, I said, man, we got to really start brainstorming. Is there a facility, a building, somewhere that we could use that they would let us you know, rent or that we could just use it or whatever? Um, and we said, let's go hop in the truck. Let's go for a car ride. Let's just cruise through town. Let's take a look at a couple of buildings and see once what, what there could be. And so uh, we hop in. We start on the west side of town here, which is over here. Kind of take a look at a few uh, vacant buildings. We took a look at a couple of vacant land, uh, pieces of property. We thought maybe we could throw a tent, throw some heaters in there, have a morning Bible study. And we just worked our way towards the east side of town. 
And I said to Eric, I said, hey, I think there's, there, the bowling alley in Zealand is available. We ought to, we ought to just see once if, if, if that is for sale. And so we pulled in the parking lot, and we, uh, we saw that it was for sale. We started looking at it, or started to get a little excited. We're really close to Cityside. We could do a morning Bible study here. I wonder if they'd let us use it, maybe until they sold it, or maybe they would just rent it to us. We didn't know what, what it would be. We put our hands on the building. We prayed over it a little bit. And we just said, God, if this is something that, that you're up to, we'd love to, you know, love to walk this road and just see what's, uh, if this would even be available for us. Called the realtor, told him who we were, what we did. And he says to me, Kevin, he said, I love what you guys do. I, the family that owns the building, they're very ministry-minded. They might be willing to work with you guys a little bit. So sent some information over to our current president, vice president of our board. Said, hey, would you guys pray over this? This is a unique opportunity. We've got a building here that was real close to the schools. You know, all the details. My president looks at the, the flyer, says, I know the, I know the realtor really well. Calls the realtor. Realtor tells him an unbelievable story, right? Hey, the people that actually own the building just discovered that they owned it. They didn't even know they owned it. Um, and they don't know what to do with the building. And here's who the family is. It's Mary DeWitt. And it's a DeWitt family. So the president of my board calls me up that night, says, here's the story. I said, dude, I know our son-in-law pretty good. Should I call him? Give him a call. So I called her son-in-law up, told him what, what we were thinking. He says, Kevin, I love the idea. I love what you're thinking. Um, let me talk with the family. So he calls me back a week and a half later, says, Kevin, uh, we'd like to meet with you in September, uh, whatever week it was. We'd love for you to pitch the idea to us, share with your vision what you want to do with the facility. And so we did that. Uh, a couple of us on the board, a couple of us in the, in the ministry showed up there. We pitched the idea with the family. And they said, all right, we're going we're gonna to talk it over, and, and we'll get back with you. Three days later, Mary DeWitt herself calls me up and says, Kevin, love the idea. I love what you're doing. I just want to give you the building. It's yours. You can have it. We went, that's crazy, crazy. We, could, we had no place to do our morning Bible study, and God provided us a building that we couldn't afford. And it's amazing. Um, we just took ownership of that building in December. Uh, we just started our morning Bible studies on Wednesdays and Thursdays for Cityside and Creekside uh, two weeks ago. So we've got like four of our morning Bible studies done. We're seeing those grow. They went from seven on the first day to 16 on the second. I think they're up to like 24. The word's getting out. Kids are showing up. They're doing a little bowling. Uh, it's called BBB, Bowling, Bible, and Breakfast. So, um, yeah, they're having a little fun with the kids. They're enjoying it. We started our, uh, yeah, we started our... <clears throat> We started our uh, after-school programs for Zero Gravity with the third, fourth, and fifth graders back in October, and we just assumed that the numbers would be low. Like, we weren't sure who was going to show up on day one. Typically, we have a sign-up day in the middle of the summer where we have some paddle pops or we do some ice cream or we do something where parents can come and sign up, and we opted not to do that this summer. And uh, on day one, we had record numbers all the way through the week. We said, I can't believe it. How are more kids showing up with less opportunity to sign up where we're not uh, doing things normal? And so we've had, uh, typically we have about 200 students that sign up for the program. We average roughly about 150 every week that come through. This year we're averaging closer to maybe 110 to 120, um, but we're still able to do all the ministry that we normally have been able to. So we pick up students at their school, uh, we transport them to the facility that we use, and then we, uh, we give them a snack, 
We do a small Bible lesson with them, which this year it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And we talk about what is love. The world tells you love comes and goes. But God is forever. He is the creator of love. His love doesn't leave. Um, love the Lord your God. It needs to become a personal decision. It's not your parents' God anymore. You have to decide, is it your God? So we, go, we walk through that. We break that down all year with the students. Uh, and then we make sure that students that attend our program who do not have a Bible to call their own, we give them one. This year, currently, from October to uh, right here, the end of January, we've given away 39 Bibles to students who have not attended our program so that they have the word. Um, one of the greatest stories that we have, um, we had a student uh, that two students, brother and a sister, that came to our program, and they didn't have a Bible. And we gave them a Bible, and uh, we, t- we told them, this is yours. You get to keep this. This is your Bible to call your own now. And then when we're done with our Bible lesson, they have free time. They can play an organized game. They can go into a craft room. Or they can do some homework. They got many opportunities. And this brother and sister, they, they scoot off into a hallway with their Bibles, and they're just, they're just reading through it. Second grader and a fourth grader, right? And so they're just strumming through that Bible. Never heard of Jesus before in their life, and they're just excited to have something, a Bible that, that, they, that they could call their own. Uh, one of my favorite stories from, from this year, uh, tragically or sadly, that was the only week that they'd been at our program. That was it. Uh, Mom said, hey, I wasn't quite sure about it all and, and everything that's going on, and my kids won't be coming back. Well, we made sure that they had a Bible and, and uh, one that they could call their own. So, uh, in December here, school shut down. They said, all right, we got to close back down. We got to go to virtual learning. And we said, as a ministry, Chad and I, we kind of talked it over, and Tom and and Eric, and we said, well, we can't stand still. We can't just say, okay, well, now we're not going to do anything. So I said, what do you guys think about finding a facility uh, locally here that we could take students to and we could help them. Like maybe if they have single parents or their parent or their mom or their dad has to work and they can't just take time off of work to be able to stay at home to help their kids on virtual learning. And we said, hey, that's a great idea. So I called one of my connections at school and she's like, I love it. And I told her what we were doing. I said, I think First Baptist, they'd love to host us. They'd love to have us. And she went, hmm, I might have to run that one up the food chain before I sign off on that. And I said, well, who are you going to call? She said, probably a superintendent. I said, I know him good enough. I'll call him myself. So I called Kale DeKuyper and said, hey, Kale, here's what I'm thinking. I said, uh, we'd love to host kids who maybe don't have a place that they can go, maybe a single parents that got to they gotta work and they don't, they don't have uh, you know, the ability to bring their kids somewhere. He said, Kevin, you'd do that? I said, yeah, we'd, we'd love to do that. You think you could take 25 kids? I said, oh, Kale, slow down here, man. I said, slow down. Slow down just a tad bit. I said, well, first we got to make sure that the church's Wi-Fi could handle 25 kids doing Zoom calls and, 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 and working with school and everything. Okay, okay, okay. So we ended up with nine students for that month of December here at First Baptist. We kind of put them uh, in their own little classroom downstairs, and we helped to make sure that they got on at the appropriate time. And we did a lot of entertaining in between their classes, uh, playing a lot of carpet ball, hanging out, just really had the opportunity to get to know some of these kids on a deeper level. It was, uh, we felt it was, it was really great. I uh, got a phone call later, uh, second week of December maybe, from uh, the Foundry Church, and they said, hey, Kevin, we'd love to partner with you on some Christmas gifts. We do like a Christmas tree thing. Um, do you have some families that could use some Christmas gifts? Oh, absolutely. We could probably, yeah, we got some families. We're thinking 11 or 12. Yeah, I think I can get 11 or 12 families. 
And so we started going to, working together, finding some families. They got the gifts all put together, and they called us up and said, hey, can you bring the bus over here to load the, load the gifts on? And we're like, how many gifts did they get for these people? They, they packed our bus. They literally packed our bus with gifts to give to these families. And so we invited a couple of their staff to come with us on, to deliver them. And what an amazing opportunity it was. Uh, and we're still connecting with them. We're going to try and bring them some meals, try and get them plugged into a church. Um, and we'll probably share a little bit more in detail some of those stories during the Sunday school hour. But that's a little bit of the ministry update. We're, we're plugging along. We're having a great year so far in the midst of COVID. Uh, we're just adapting, but God is providing. The students are here. We're able to minister to them, and we are loving every minute of it. This morning, I want to take a look at number uh, Exodus. See? I'm glad I told you guys in the beginning. Exodus chapter 17. Verses 8 through 16. It says, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us. Go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself at the top of the hill with with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hands up, that Israel prevailed. And when his hands um, went down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one of them um, on on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it the Lord of my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. And to set this little scene up, the Israelites have moved uh, to uh, Rephidim, and when they get there, they discover very quickly that there's no water. They can't find water. So they get to camp, they set their tents out, whatever they do, and they probably look around and they go, I don't have water here. They go over to their neighbor, you got water? No, I don't have water. Go to the neighbor on the other side, you got water? No, they start talking. They have no water, and they become very angry, and they go to Moses, I can't believe you would bring us here. You want us to die of thirst? They get mad at Moses. And the first thing back in the first part of chapter 17 is Moses instantly goes to God and says, Lord, what do I do? What do I do with these people? And God provides. He says, take your staff, go hit a rock. It'll provide water. And then we get to this scene where there's now going to be a fight. There's going to be a war. And Moses goes to his soldier, to his warrior, and he says to Joshua, pick some men and go fight that army. Go take care of that army for us. And he says, tomorrow I will go up on the hill. Aaron and Hur will go with me, and we will stand there with God's staff, and we will do our part. And as the war goes on, as the battle goes on, Moses raises his arms, and the staffs go up, and the Israelites are prevailing. And his arms and his hands get heavy, and he looks to Aaron and Hur, and he says, the 
you help me? My arms need to go up. They give him a seat. They actually literally bring him a stone to sit on, and they help hold his arms up. We get the picture. It's pretty easy. It's self-explanatory. But I want to challenge us this morning. If we take a look at the four characters in this story, and we remove one of them, we put ourselves in their place. <clears throat> if we're Moses, when trouble comes our way, are we going to God first? Who is our Aaron? Who is our her? When trials come our way, who do we lean on? And who do we say, hey, I need your help. We help hold my arms up in the midst of this trial. Who are those people in your life? For me personally, it's my wife, it's my family, it's those that, that are involved with me. They know me well. If it's me in ministry, if it's, it's Chad, it's Tom, it's my ministry partners are coming alongside of me. If it's the ministry as a whole, Aaron and her are First Baptist Church. Our other partners in ministry that come alongside, that help support us, individuals, businesses, people like you who pray for us, who lift us up, who hold us. Now, if we put Moses back in the picture and we take Aaron out and I put myself in Aaron's spot, who's my Moses? Who's relying on me to help them through their time of trial? For me, it's my family, right? My number one calling. If it's me, it's the ministry. It's the students that we minister to. We come alongside of them. We help them. No matter what they've got going on, or their Aaron, or their her. Now, it comes to Joshua, and the reality is, So we can't take Joshua out. Joshua is the only character that we can't replace with ourselves. It can only be replaced by Jesus. Jesus is the one that is battling for us. He is the one that has called us to be faithful, to hold up our arms, to be in prayer, to encourage each other, to walk alongside with each other, and allow him to fight our battles. Maybe, just maybe this morning, you're sitting here and you're looking at me and you're going, that guy is crazy, he's a little weird, he's a little wacko. Kind of like I thought in 1996 when I was standing in the nosebleed seats at the Silver Dome looking at those guys going, they're a little weird, they're a little different, I don't get it. But today, if you haven't or you don't have the opportunity or the ability to replace Joshua with Jesus, I'd love to talk with you. Your pastors would love to talk to you, and we'd love to explain to you how and what that means to surrender your life to Jesus. Um, I think that's what I wanted to share with you guys this morning. I just appreciate the opportunity to be, to be here again. Look forward to the Sunday School Hour where we get to share a little bit more in depth about some of the ministry that we do. Uh, I had to be a little sensitive with some of my stories. Um, I didn't want to go on live stream and share uh, some stories that people could from town be able to pick up on. And, and so I wanted to be a little sensitive to that. We'll get a little more in depth in the Sunday school hour. So look forward to meeting with you in a little bit and sharing more. Love that. Love that. I... I I hope you have just heard um, how God goes before us, even in unprecedented years and seasons. 
and the importance of saying, God, here I am, God, use me. God, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, each one of us have our own ministry story. Each one of us are called to something slightly different. For some of us, it's full-time ministry and a vocation, kind of like a pastor. For many of us, it's working uh, within our jobs, but God has placed you there to be a witness, to be a light. For some of you, it's God has placed you with family amongst you who are struggling with things of faith, and you're like, all right, how do I share the message of Jesus with them in a winsome, compelling, and, and truthful way? And friends, I, I love what Kevin said at the end there. The, the one who fights for us is the Lord. It's the Lord. If we ever try to take up a spiritual endeavor without the power of God, one of the things we find quickly, um, and I say this from personal experience, uh, one of the things we find quickly is that we are not as strong as we think we are. But when God goes before us, and when the praise of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords leads our way, wow, what an incredible thing God can do through willing servants. I don't know what your life is like, but if there's a way that we can help hold up your arms in ministry, we want to do that. And we ask um, that, that you continue to hold others' arms up in ministry as well. God did not make us islands. He didn't make us to be just self-sustaining people. He calls us to love one another and to support one another and, and, and to encourage one another in the things of faith. And so I'm thankful for Kevin and what he and his team do with zero gravity. Thank you. Thank you.